Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Today, our guest is Christy Nelson, Ambassador of Grateful Living. She's the author of Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. She served as Executive Director at Grateful Living from 2014 until 2022. Her life's work in the nonprofit sector has focused on leading, inspiring, and strengthening organizations committed to progressive social and spiritual change. Being a longtime stage four cancer survivor moves her every day to support others in living and loving with gratefulness of heart. In 2001, after five years leading a regional women's fund, Christy founded a values-based fundraising consulting coaching company. And in this capacity worked with organizations such as Buddhist Peace Fellowship, Spirit in Action, Institute for Jewish Spirituality, Wisdom 2.0, and the Center for Contemplative Mind and Society, among others. Since then, she has been founding director of Soul of Money Institute with Lynn Twist, director of development at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, and director of development and community relations for the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society. She received her BA from UMass Amherst, a graduate certificate in business and sociology from Boston College and her master's in public administration with a concentration in leadership studies from Harvard University. <laughs> Christy Nelson. It's <laughs> a mouthful, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what? The, the best stories are always like complicated. So it's the longest bio ever. It's like. not, believe me. Uh, but thank you. And you have, uh, I'm a firm believer that like all of the experiences turn us into who we are at different mm. seasons, right? So mm -hmm. uh, thanks for joining us. And should we kick off? I, I know we have questions on the list, but my biggest question is when did you, when you made your shift in mm -hmm. 2001, what was the impetus for that? when you founded your first uh, company? Mm. I was tired of being the leader of an organization and I was excited to figure out, I also went back to school at that time. So I was excited to figure out what there was to learn. And I felt like, oh, in, in order to be generative, I want more inputs. I want more things in my mind and I want to work with different kinds of people and take what I've learned out into the world. And so I've done that back and forth in many different phases throughout my life. I'm 64 almost now. And I'm, you know, I've just done these different stints at leading, then consulting, then doing school, and then leading, consulting, doing school. So it's been a, you know, I've been really lucky and I love that. So a lifelong learner. I'm a lifelong learner. I love change too. So I do too. I love the messiness of change. Not everyone does. <laughs> Yeah, true. And I love startups. I And so I'm really drawn to to things at the beginning and then I love handing it off. So that's been one of my. Yeah, no, I well. like that. I won't share too much. We can maybe talk after, but I'm in the thick of it with um, a, a startup uh, mm -hmm. and leading that. And it, it 
there are a lot of days where you have to th remember the small bits of gratitude, which is what we're going to talk about today <laughs> yes. uh, from a perspective of having a, a chronic health condition. Um, and you have had your own experience mm -hmm. along the journey of health. So yeah. what, how did that go for you? I know you're, you've mm -hmm. got a, a cancer diagnosis at stage four and we're so grateful that you made it through. Yeah, me too. Um, well, it's interesting because the thing I wrote this book, I don't know if we talked about that in the bio, but the book to make my bio even longer, I wrote a book called Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. And I wrote that about my cancer journey and about all the things that I've learned from that. And, and being grateful was a big part of that for me. But one of the things that I haven't talked about a lot is um, the fact that I developed uh, a long-term uh, epidural uh, cerebral spinal fluid leak after. So I, I developed um, really intense chronic vertigo. I had all kinds of amazing head pain. And so all these things for years and years subsequent to the cancer. So in terms of having an acute illness that required 11 surgeries and chemotherapy and radiation, that was cancer for me. And then lots of monitoring over many years. But then I developed this cerebral sp spinal fluid leak. And that was a chronic condition that came a bunch of years after I had my lumbar spine fused. So I have a fusion um, where the cancer metastasized to my lumbar spine. So, you know, I've had quite a journey and it taught me so much about being grateful because I came through all that. And then I didn't know that I was going to get to live after that experience. I had no promise of a long life after that. And so I just could not believe how lucky I was to be able to have every day that I had. And so I just decided to live it as gratefully as I possibly could. Yeah. And as you went through that, one of the things, uh, when we get to the other side, it's like you become strong and I won't say bulletproof, but mm. uh, one of the things I think that comes along with that is like, I don't know if the word honor is right, but like almost honoring like the nights and the days that yeah. I often say like, I could look great when I talk about something, but no one was there the, like the nights you cried yourself to sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that for me, there was a way that to live my life as gratefully as I could in every moment that I could and that I have been able to since the diagnosis and since the treatment has been a way of honoring life and honoring all the people who aren't still alive and who are struggling have struggled more than I have. I mean, there's something about knowing that every moment that I'm liberated from pain is somebody else has been praying for that. So how do I live that other than to honor that as fully as I possibly can? That's profound. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it, is. it is. And you had me thinking, I mean, there are certain, right, a, a lot of us, and to make a parallel to climate change here, if our yeah. doc came to us and said, you have a year to live, we would do maybe yeah. do things differently. Um, and we could probably do that with other parts of, our, of, of the environment. Uh, yeah. But it's very, yeah, we only, like, everything is temporary. Yeah. And, and that's been my great wake-up call. That's yeah. been my great wake-up call. And 
also, I think the nuances of pain are also temporary. I mean, it's interesting in that I can feel like I have chronic pain, but within that pain, if I really, really pay attention, there are vacillations, it vacillates. It goes from really, really, you know, a 10 to a, to a seven, to a four, to a six, to a five, you know, it's, and, and also there's very um, subjective experiences of pain. So I, you know, for me, I feel like I can speak on this program because I have experienced the greatest pain of mine that I didn't even know was humanly possible to survive. And, um, and so I think when we look at what is truly permanent and promised to us, it's really nothing. (laughs) You know, there's really, when you start to really live in that space of we have no idea. We have no idea how long anything is going to be true. We have no idea how long, and we walk around with these ideas that we do. And um, most of those are myths. And so if we could accept that we live in this great mystery, we live in the great universe of the unknown and the uncertain and COVID really hit that home for people. And so people now talk much more about how uncertain everything is, but the truth is it's always been uncertain. Yeah, and it and always will be uncertain. Uh, the, the, my favorite word of COVID that I, I adopted in, I think, 21, 22, it was liminal, right? Like, yeah, I love that word. The way, I mean, but it's, it's a beautiful word. And it's, uh, yeah, the, the temporariness is very hard to wrap our hands around. Yeah, I, I vacillate in that, um, along with the, the pain, but I, uh, yeah. It's hard. And I I don't mean it as a morbid thing. I mean no. it as when I was told that I that you know I was 33 and they said, you know, basically you're gonna have a recurrence and when you do it, we're not gonna be able to save you. So and that's likely to happen within three years. So I'm 33 years old and there I am being told I, you know, maybe I have till 36. That was intense for me, but it also ironically, paradoxically, brought me more alive than my life before that when i took life for granted i took and this is the thing that i think is so deadening is when we take things for granted on almost any level um it really is deadening and so there's something about we have no idea we have no idea when something is going to end or stop or start or change and in that space if we don't get attached to a concept about it there's all kinds of possibility there's a lot of possibility that lives in that not knowing. Yeah, it's, and it's the letting go, right? The, the no thing, no time, no body. Kind yeah, of, we've uh, gone deeper already in this podcast <laughs> than, than most podcasts go. So okay, hopefully sorry, let's, everyone. Let's come back to 50,000 feet. Uh, okay. Okay, so you didn't start out as a gratitude person. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you, you know what I mean? Yeah. An expert mm-hmm. will say. Um, how has your understanding and your practice of it evolved? I mean, I think it's, they can't be divorced. Life can't be divorced from your learning. So tell us a little bit there. Well, um, one of the things that the book is about and that my, you know, the organization I ran for 10 years is about is about gratefulness rather than gratitude, because gratefulness is a kind of a different, approach. Gratefulness is really saying, can I be 
grateful in every moment, not everything, but can I approach life gratefully? And gratitude is very conditional and circumstantial. So gratitude is like, okay, something good happened. Now I get to have a fleeting feeling of gratitude. But gratitude doesn't last. And gratitude is so, so it's so fleeting. It's conditional. It's, it evaporates. It's kind of like happiness, you know, it comes and goes and comes and goes and comes and goes. Whereas gratefulness is something that I like to say it's from the inside out. It's, basically committing to not taking anything for granted and to living in a state of orienting to life with a grateful heart. Like just basically saying, I'm going to be grateful in every moment that I possibly can as a practice. I'm rarely speechless, but that <laughs> that's, that is, I don't know that most of us look at it that way. Exactly which is why I'm so committed to teaching this and why my life is dedicated to it. It's what the book is all about too. Like if anybody want, if you want a really inexpensive workshop, <laughs> if you want to change your life, you know, the book is, I wrote it because I was so committed to helping people understand the distinction between gratitude and gratefulness. And the distinctions are really, really important and that it's possible to be grateful during difficult times, during challenging times, during pain, struggle, when the world is falling apart, can we still live gratefully? That's in our, we have agency over that. Yes, it's a choice. It's a choice because we choose to live our lives and our moments, not taking them for granted, saying this, I, I know a lot of people who wish they were here today. So many people in my life are not here who wish they could have been here today. How am I going to live this day? I got this one day and I don't know what's going to happen after this. And so I want to orient to my life as gratefully as I can, because that's like living with my heart exploded open. When I live gratefully, I'm kind of scary. Um, you know, like just everybody who I love knows I love them. I don't hold things back. I think it's a much more regret reduced way to live life. When you live your life gratefully and you don't take life for granted, you don't put things off and say, I'll be grateful when, or I'll let that person know I'm grateful for them down the road because you don't take life for granted anymore. We got this. Do you randomly think of someone and just pick up the phone and start telling them that you love them? I actually do. I actually do. And I try to you know, I'm not perfect by any means, but I try to do surprising little things, you know, like text somebody or email somebody or call somebody or write a card just to say how much somebody has mattered to me or that you make a difference. And, yeah. you know, and to keep, keep those relationships as alive as possible, because, you know, we make other people feel good when we tell them how grateful we are for them, but we make ourselves, we really nurture our own selves every time we really live in that grateful yeah. space. Yeah. When you talk about like the, some of that, the, it's been 20 some years. I saw a PowerPoint slide. I don't even know if PowerPoint existed that long ago, but it was a slide <laughs> and it said, get used to relationships being a lot like a train ride. People get on your, in your train car and off your train car. And some of them only will get on once. And some of them will get, get yeah. on and off at different stops along the way. Yeah. Uh, but I think we we're not always grateful for that short. We're in 
someone's life or someone's in our life for a reason mm -hmm. or a period mm -hmm. of time or something, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, craziness or, uh, yeah, I'm still blown away by the distinction. Sorry. Oh, good. That's good. All right. I'm so, so glad. So let's get into, so we talked a little bit about this. I think let's unpack it a bit more. So if you are someone newly diagnosed, um, we talk about spondyloarthritis a lot here. Uh, if you've never looked at grateful living as a way to live, uh, what would be your first step? I am always, there's so much that's not working in life. And what I like to say is you don't have to deny what isn't working or what's hard, but it really helps to look at then what is working and what is still working. Like we can obsess and perseverate about something that is not working inside of a body where 99% of the body is working exquisitely at almost every single moment. And can we kind of help our attention focus on what, on the healthy body that is around what isn't working? Even if it feels like your entire experience, I studied with John Kabat-Zinn at the Center for Mindfulness, and he did the, he's done the MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction for people who are in chronic pain. And I was in unbelievable pain for a long period of time. And what he used to say that was so helpful to me is no matter what is wrong with you, no matter what you feel is wrong with you, no matter what's not working, there's more working in your body than not working at any single moment. And it's about where can you place your attention and to be in the present moment as much as possible, because part of what we do when we're in pain or we get a diagnosis is we go to what happens if it get, gets worse? What happens if it spreads? What happens if this never ends? You know, when we project out, it makes things so much harder to deal with pain in the moment or a diagnosis in the moment. So I think trying to remember the organism, this exquisite body, like our bodies are just absolutely mind-blowingly awesome. They're just stunning what's going on in our bodies at all times to keep us alive. So I try to focus on that as much as I can even when I have cancer that's metastasized, there's so much of my body that's untouched by that metastasis. And that's true. I've never heard anyone describe it as exquisite, but I think I'm going to steal that if that's okay with you. Oh, please. It's true. It's what's working. And we are a system. So it's shocking uh, if you really take it apart. If you really look at your body and how much is working in concert at every single moment and all of your systems simultaneously in collaboration, like in this unbelievably, it's more of a miracle than you could even imagine. Isn't it though? Yeah, it's mind blowing. I came out of manufacturing and there are days when I'm like, if I could get <laughs> my body to work half as good as a production line. <laughs> or if you could get a production line to work half as well as your body. True, I true. mean, your body is doing so many things in any single moment. And it I just blows my mind. Yeah. We could never design. We can never design something that I think the lungs and the heart and the digestive system and the endocrine system and like all the systems that are working together. And the yeah. Do you have some, you have some background in Ayurveda? I don't have background in Ayurveda. I've done a little bit before, okay. but not no. But thank you for asking. Yeah, you me sound that. very you sound very much well. Yeah, I think your yoga kind of Ayurvedic. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if I was going to wake up tomorrow and decide I'm going to be a grateful liver, 
Um, <laughs> is there something I would start my day with or a couple of practices you can think yeah. of? Yeah. And I love the idea of a grateful liver. We always talked about like grateful liver, grateful kidney, grateful, you know, grateful. Uh, I'm a grateful lung. Um, so one of the things that I did, because I was in a hospital bed for a really long time, um, off and on for, you know, quite a while. And um, one of the things I used to try to do is to think about, okay, if this is the rest of my life and I can't ever leave this hospital bed, what, like basically kind of what am I grateful for? Like what do, what is working? What can I do when I, you know, I'm attached to intravenouses and I, weeks and weeks on end and multiple times. And so I would just think, okay, I'm here. I'm still breathing. I can get up. There are, you know, there's people taking care of me. There's people developing medicine. I would try to wake up in the morning and say to myself, what can I do? What am I grateful for before I even leave bed, before I even wake up? And some people call it kind of gratitude in advance. Like the, all those things about our body, we can tune into that and be grateful for that body. We can be grateful if we wake up in the morning. And I like to say, if the air inside where I'm waking up, the room where I'm waking up is relatively comfortable and it's cold outside and I'm relatively warm, that's a big thing to be grateful for. If it's, you know, really hot outside and I'm able to stay relatively cool, I'm grateful for that. Like, so wake up and I'm grateful for the roof over my head. I'm grateful for the fact that there is love in the world. Even if I don't feel it in the moment, it's like, okay, I'm grateful that the sun rises every day. So what can I be grateful for if I can't even leave bed? What I know is if I can learn how to have a touchstone for, for being grateful for all these things that are unconditional, all those things are unconditional. As long as I'm alive to my last breath, I can be grateful for those things. Then I no matter what happens, I have an orientation that I can continue to nurture no matter what happens in my life. It's not just hanging on like I got the most perfect day. Yeah. So one of the things I heard years ago and I tried, I don't do it as often as I should. You're making me want to do it again is wake up in the morning and uh, somebody said, the first thing you do when you open your eyes before you even move is check the weather of your mind and body. Yeah. And I think this is what you're talking about because it's also, we're very, uh, you had mentioned like, it's hot outside, but I'm in a cool room or yeah. this is, we contextualize through contrasting things, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. We forget how privileged we are. We do. We, we do. And I, even when we're hurting and even when we're sick and even when it's hard, it makes sense to me to continue to recognize the things that are working in our lives. Yeah. And I had a conversation this morning with a, a colleague and uh, they said they'd been speaking to someone over the weekend who was sharing their battle with uh the mental health issues and to make themselves feel better. They went out shopping and spent $10,000. Wow. All right. then. Right. And I was like, I don't want to be judgy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, 
if I had ten thousand dollars to spend on clothes, you know, on a Saturday right. afternoon. Uh, but I think it is. It's contextual. We do forget. Um, I also, I also wonder. Uh, I'm a big believer in some of what prevents us from, we'll call it maybe grateful living, is fear of the unknown or what our body can do to us. Do you have any thoughts on unpacking that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I've tried to embrace and accept is that we are basically living in the unknown in every single moment of our lives. And the more I can make room for that truth, the more at first it can feel scary. But when we really say that, like the truth is we're living in mystery all the time. Like we really, you can have all the best laid plans. Everybody's had that experience and things happen. Like life isn't predictable. Life isn't certain. And we don't know. And just like, People say, oh, I'm so scared because the hardest things in the world come as surprises. Like if I really embrace uncertainty, it's like, you know, bad things are going to happen. And I also say, well, some of the best things in life that have happened to me have also come as surprise. Some of the most awesome things have been unexpected and like where things, amazing things happen and things that are hard end or things that are wonderful start. And so the truth is that in that space of, uncertainty is all possibility all things that are possible live in that space so it's like can i make more room for that and to live in that way the more i can the more peace i'm in that's what i can tell you for sure for me yeah the more i can embrace uncertainty the more peace i can find in my life i'm with you and it i think correlates with a couple other conversations we've had about uh, figuring out what fills your cup, mm-hmm. and that love that, that. to that's Jana Lomax who's been with us a couple times. When you figure that out, like you go into that. I don't know if she used it, but I think of it as like you just go into like auto mode of like mm-hmm. the world is your oyster. And it's mm. not, <laughs> and I, uh, that's a living gratefully kind of thing, you know, to me is pay attention, notice, you know, notice what is beautiful. Notice what is amazing. You know, let our, we have to let ourselves notice because we're trained. We are trained to fixate on what is not working. Right. We are trained. And I notice that when like, the washing machine breaks down and I'm suddenly just absolutely bereft because the washing machine breaks down. And then I think, where was I every single time the washing machine was broke, was working? Like where, where was my awareness of, where was my appreciation? And that's a metaphor for the car. Like, can we live more gratefully into all the things that are working? So along those same lines, I, there is uh, often, and I had some experience with it in early in my diagnosis, and I think anyone who's uh, sometimes not feeling well wants to avoid, uh, not avoid, but doesn't socially get out there where they may have been social or yeah. uh, in that vein though is 
finding the grateful path. Sometimes like I might not be feeling great and I might not look great, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to see what the world has to offer today. And I'm still going to plug through. Is that a way that you see for like honoring that grateful living approach? Yes. And I think that it can make us more resilient, right? So that resilience is, I think, a really important thing, which is that capacity to, um, to be able to have perspective. I think for me, perspective is everything like to be able to remember this isn't all there is. And also, you know, one of the things that has made a difference, I believe in a lot of people's lives is, you know, they've done studies with people who are incarcerated on rates of recidivism. So how much they return to jail. And one of the most amazing things that they've, uh, that I saw this study that blew my mind was that you can focus on self-esteem and sometimes those people had certain rates of return. You could focus on your family. They got people, different inmates to focus before they were released on, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to take care of my family. And the people who actually had the lowest rates of going back to incarceration were the people who were oriented to a larger community to the sense of belonging to a bigger world and taking care of and serving. So something like part of what we realize and what I realized by being in the hospital is I, it's all relative. Like there's so many people who actually were suffering more than I was. And I was so brought to awareness of that every time I was in the hospital and I was sitting for chemotherapy and you know, there were children who were dealing with chemotherapy and going through stuff. And there were people who were much closer to the end of their life than I was. And I, you know, I just, to keep our eyes and hearts open to the fact that there are so many people who can benefit from our love in addition to ourselves. Yes. Let's fill the well, let's fill our own wells really big and full and overflow the darn things. And then let that overflow also go into attentiveness to the truth that so many other people are struggling. And that this, that our, I actually believe, I used to think so differently than this. I actually believe that it's the places where we struggle that are our deepest sources of connection to other people. And that it's our deepest threads and ties of belonging are where we aren't perfect and where things are hard. Yep. I think you're right. And I'm, I, I'm actually audio booking uh, Jay Shetty's eight rules of love right now. Yeah. And one, and I don't know which rule it is, uh, but he talks about uh, how sometimes like when we have relationships or people in our lives or how we approach things, the, we, we, have to start on common ground because we have to seek common ground to get like the spark or whatever it is going. Mm -hmm. But that there is more depth to figuring out how to navigate the differences. Yeah. And yeah. I think being grateful for making it through some of those, regardless of the type of relationship. But yeah, I think you're right. That's um okay. So I <laughs> I'm skipping around here, but uh this is so great. Uh, so you talked about, I think the 
the incarceration study is really, or the recidivism study is really interesting because it points to community mm -hmm. and a network. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who does feel isolated today? Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. the first step in the journey? Yeah. And that step can be, you know, we've learned to live really well online, you know, and yet sometimes that's a really poor substitute for, you know, I think we've got all of these ways in which people, people might feel connected through being on forums. And, you know, I mean, I remember when I had my cerebral spinal fluid leak, it was like, I lived on forums. I couldn't get out that easily. I was struggling and stuff, but it's the human face-to-face, -face, the human connections, as much as we can, it's human touch, it's gazing in eyeballs, it's, you know, the things that really, really make a difference. And I think one of the things that was interesting is as soon as I experienced, you know, when I had cancer, all of a sudden it was amazing how many people I got to know who were dealing with cancer. And it wasn't just random, it was that the world opens up when I was dealing with pain and a chronic illness, it was amazing how many people all of a sudden were telling me, oh, this person has that and this person has that. And wow, I know somebody who struggled with that. And it was just, it expanded my entire universe and my sense of belonging because isolation is can be really hard and damaging when you feel like just it's me and my suffering and everybody else is having a great time. Yeah. And so I was always looking to broaden my context, always looking to get a bigger sense of what was true. And I think that connecting with other people in the ways that you can make a huge difference. And, you know, there's lots of places that really need our love and need our energy and need our participation and lots of people who are really lonely. And so I make connection, make contact in any yeah. way that we can, I think makes a difference. I, I do. Do you know Innerman's Angels? No. Oh, they're a peer-to-peer -peer cancer support network. Mm. And uh, a good friend of mine founded it and they are. Oh, nice. It, this is the connection, right? It's, I've, and it, it's where online comes in. I love it yeah. and everything, but obviously we're online now. So it's and, okay. yeah. And so, oftentimes we can't get out, you know, yeah. So yeah, wonderful to be able to forge these deep connections online. It's yeah. just amazing. And this Miracle. takes people through their journey where they may feel alone and isolated and they, uh, they can go on the platform and find someone who has the same diagnosis and maybe some other criteria um, yeah. and connect. And it's people who have come through it that can mentor. Uh, and I think SAA, I think we try to provide a lot of that, like with support groups too, is, you know, if you're for people with spondyloarthritis that if you are in a place where you do feel isolated, you can show up on a number of online or I know they do them in person still. So, um, okay. So let's, let's pivot just a second to, uh, I'm always curious about meditation mm. and gratitude. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on meditation? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've been a practicing meditator for decades, really. And um, I, I am a big believer in meditation. And I'm also somebody who, when I, when I went and did a, I did a mindfulness retreat 
when I was still pretty sick and could barely walk and everything like that. And what I realized was I wanted to have my eyes open um, because I didn't know how long I was going to be alive. And, and the world was so beautiful. And so part of what I also believe is that there is an importance also too to living our lives mindfully, which is why I think living gratefully, it is not just a, like sitting on a meditation cushion and going and doing a gratitude meditation for 10 minutes and then going and living your day, not connected to that. I think it's about how can we in almost all of our moments live in that depth of kind of awareness and presence that meditation helps to facilitate. And yeah. Yeah. I. Uh... Are you a guided meditation person? No. Okay. No, because that's for me, it's I've really I treasure silence and I really savor silence and I can find my way in silence. Not everybody can. There's so many options for guided meditations. And you and you? Uh I'm I do guided. I yeah. I listen most nights, like uh -huh. on loop. Uh yeah, it's great. Jess Shepherd is the one I like. Uh she does a lot of like uh gratefulness mindfulness uh uh you are worthy or whatever yeah <laughs> um, worthy gratefulness yeah um, it, i like it i was actually you were making me think that when you're talking about mindfulness i mean i struggle with it i think a lot of us do uh i saw a as I was moving my daughter into her dorm in September, there was outside, there was this big pile of a kid's stuff, right? And their parents are hauling stuff in. There was this big sign that said, uh, you have been assigned this mountain. <laughs> oh, I love that. I did too. And I actually like looked at it. I took a photo of it and I was in this big heap and the dad came back and I said, I said, oh, what is that? And he said, he said oh that's from my son's doctor and i said hmm. and he said he had a heart transplant mm. uh last year and i love this kid i've now visited a couple times my daughter checking on this kid because i think he's amazing but it is i mean like sometimes when we have something going on in our health we don't yeah. realize that maybe we have to be to go back to where we started 45 minutes ago was being mindful even when life is being tossed at you in the way you didn't expect it to be. But sometimes remembering like, I mean, nobody's grateful for cancer, right? And then, no. but it's hard but to acknowledge that, you know, maybe this for whatever you believe in the greater good or whatever it is, did this come to me to help other people? And, and and it it's, can be a slippery slope. It can be dangerous once we start saying like, oh, I think this happened because, or I think I got this because, you know, I want to be so careful about that, mindful about any conversation that seems to lean in towards that. But, you know, I also want to say that what I love is that you learned about this kid, this, that he had had a heart transplant as a result of this beautiful sign, this thing, it's like it took you into something. Yes. And I think one of the things that is so true is that when we learn these things about each other, when we're curious about each other and we ask each other these questions about what are the things that we're struggling with, I, I love that saying, be kinder than necessary for everyone is fighting some kind of battle. 
everybody and the people who are often fighting the hardest battles, it's invisible. It can, they, people can look absolutely intact on the outside and be struggling like crazy on the inside. And we've learned so much in COVID and, you know, with mental health stuff and with physical pain, there are, there are great mysteries inside all of us. And one of them is that there are so many things that are broken. And the other one is that there's so many things that are intact inside all of us in every single moment. This is a very Buddhist moment, right? Yeah. Like, this is very like it is. And it's how we choose to relate to that fact, you know, and how we choose to walk into the world with that fact. And I think it's really super important to say, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. It's like, ah, I'm just like, we'll you know, to do a part two. <laughs> so, so, you know, one of the practices in, in the book is when people ask how we are, it's, we can really easily say, I'm not great, but I'm grateful. And it's so interesting to be able to hold those two things at the same time. I'm not feeling great and I'm still grateful. I'm grateful. And then it's like, wow, that's interesting. Is it possible for us to hold these? Because I do believe that holding the place where those energies touch each other, I'm not great. And I'm still grateful. I'm grateful, but I'm grateful. It's like, I think where that lives is a really beautiful, vulnerable, tender, life-giving place because we acknowledge that, that these seemingly incompatible truths coexist in every single moment that we can acknowledge that things are hard and we can still find beauty. Things are really difficult and we can still experience love and joy. We can still feel the parts of our body that are working. I'm just saying it's so important that we can acknowledge that all these universes coexist at one time. It's not like you're perfectly great and everything's great or you're perfectly horrible and everything's awful. That that's what gratefulness really is for me is remembering to fill the well of what's also working. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's Victor Frankl, right? It is Victor Frankl. It is. And if someone like Victor Frankl can notice and Anne Frank and the people who've been through the hardest and the worst of the, what the world has to offer. Um, there are so many people who right now are, who are continuing to make art, continuing to make beauty, continuing to make love, continuing to make, you know, in the midst of so much hard stuff happening around the world that, that I take inspiration from those people. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I, that might have to be where we landed. Okay. Like I, I, uh, I just, this has been great. And I, I needed this today, by the way, just. Oh, good. I'm so I, I know I'm not selfishly because I think probably everyone. <laughs> and as and we did this to head into the holidays, especially for many of oh. us. Oh, uh, and, and I want to end with one little thing, which yeah. is one of the things that I say that's I think is really, really important that I learned, which is it's not whether the, the glass is half full or half empty. It's about having a glass at all. Yes. And if we have the glass and if we can focus on the fact that we have a glass at all, the emptiness and the fullness will go up and down all the time. 
But if we can focus on the glass, that's life. And that's being alive. And we can be grateful for that. You know, even in the hardest of times, there's ways to be able to find that path. And it's worth every iota of energy it takes. I'm speechless. Uh, <laughs> Again. <laughs> yes. Thanks. I, Thanks. I made lots of notes. So I, I'm grateful for you. And Thank you. I'm grateful I, for you and everybody you serve. Yeah, there. I, I would love to have you come back and tell us more. Uh, Great. Yeah. Well, be easier. In the, <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, you know, the book is cool. You know, yes. the book is easy and it's on audiobook. It's on Kindle. It's on Amazon. It's on every, it's on independent bookstores. It's hardcover. It just came out in paperback like a few, awesome. a month ago, a month ago. So I, you know, it's less about like, I get much benefit from that, but it's such a beautiful way to, to remind ourselves. And it's a slow read. It's a dense read. It's a thick read. It's really about how to live. It's a guidebook for living a different kind of life. So I'm going to get myself a copy and then we're going to, um, we're going to bring, we're bring gonna me back go through the guide. Um, so once again, it is wake up grateful, the transformative practice of taking nothing for granted, right? Woohoo. Available everywhere. Uh, <laughs> Christy Nelson, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. And uh, we will speak again soon. I hope so. SpondyCast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit, educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondyloarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, we provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.